my thing is if I would have known when I left my house, with, which is what I thought was for four days and is going to be six weeks instead, uh, two things I would have brought with me. I would have brought the microphone for sure. And then a couple more options on shirts. I'm getting kind of exhausted cycling through the same four shirts. Not that anybody That's sees me, but, it, but it's also like it's just it's starting to hurt my head now. I'm just like, how long ago did you wear that pink shirt? How long ago did you it's wear so that funny. Shirt? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's funny to me that it's like I thought you're just keeping. I didn't even think of that, and I was like, man, you're really adhering to prison rule bandana <laughs> and just keeping it like white tees only in the yard. <laughs> and then it's like, oh yeah, you just you don't have any laundry. to the most awesome and brandana sports podcast coming at you as we always do and we have a dynamite episode 110 for your eardrums guys do us a favor please subscribe leave five stars tell a friend shoot us an email at mabsportspodcast at gmail.com i am brandana and with me as always rocking a bright corn sheen most awesome Ooh, i'm icy white yeah bro Looking yeah good. i'm feeling it Looking good. I don't know. I'm getting a little shaggy up top. I haven't. I, I haven't. Oh, this is this is try to keep. Yeah, this is going around. Are you going to try to cut your hair or have Doctor Miss the Commission cut it? That's a thing people are she, doing. It's we, a big thing. It is a big thing. We're not going to have our. What was it? It was it Michael, the movie with John Travolta and Kira Sedgwick, where she cuts yes. his hair. Yeah. Yes. Was it Michael? Uh, well, I don't Maybe know. My, Michael's the name. Michael was when he was an angel. Was, and no, that, that was in his angel. It's the one where he's in, uh, drink everybody. It's the mm. one where he has like the brain tumor and, and he, but he thinks he has like supernatural powers. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Michael's the angel. And then, uh, what, oh, phenomenon. Phenomenon. Nice. Phenomenon. Thank you. Well done. We're back on it. That's right. We're back, man. This pod almost went off the rails, but we got it. Exactly. Didn't exactly. We were almost going to start this thing over. Bring your full Travolta pod. All right, guys, we do have a jammed packed episode 1010 i know you guys think the hour of power we already try to say that but everyone's got free time on their hands so this one might yeah. trickle out sign of it just as a heads up and we are going to start doing i think after the podcast we're going to do a little you guys saw us last time uh, a couple days ago on thursday we did a uh, instagram live cover of mm. nick nolte's blue chips <laughs> But we're going to do that uh, kind of after the pod, maybe do a little uh, what we used to call when we talk on the phone after the podcast, just a little MAB after dark. But we'll hop on there, maybe talk through an email that we hit or something. We'll figure it out. But just uh, be looking for Instagram lives probably around Saturday at 10 p.m. Eastern's our windows go down. But anyway, let's get to this episode before we get there. We got ripped from the headlines. We're talking NFL CBA. We're going to hit the MAB inbox. That is getting flooded. We got three emails from there. Going to do an MAMA parenting tip. Quarantine for juniors. We're going to hit the MAB date night March Madness edition. This is three of four out of the Spike Lee joint region. We got he got mm. game. Going to do the Neapolitan showdown. Top three things to do during a snow day. We're going to finish as we always do with our MVP of the week. Ladies and gentlemen, your hour of power-ish starts now. <laughs> Extra, extra, read all about it. 
lines. NFL CBA. Why are we talking about this week, brother? Um, because they passed it a few days ago. We hadn't gotten to it. So yeah. we're going to get to it now. That's why. Fair enough. It's kind of weird with uh, nothing going on in sports. We couldn't carve out some time to get to this, but we're getting to it now. Yeah, right. We're on right, it. Right. We, we march to our own schedule. <laughs> we don't march to any quarantine schedule. That's true. Um, okay, so what basically went down in the agreement? So they they agreed to it. Uh, the players did the new CBA agreement. Yeah. And it's effectively a 10-year deal uh, that will, will keep them in good standing labor-wise till 2030. Um, 11 or 10, 1,019 uh, NFL players voted yes. 959 voted no, yeah, nay, against the rules. Um, and it's interesting to me because it seems to benefit – the majority of players, uh, 65% of the NFL players are making the minimum in terms of their, uh, their salary, the minimum salary. And this would see a 20% increase year over year, uh, pretty, pretty consistently for them. Um, so they're the ones who voted majority in this. Okay. So we kind of have that, uh, we know some of the highlights we can get in the money. They're making more money. Uh, 17 game schedule is kind of what the owners are going for. Extra playoff mm-hmm. team, I think that kind of benefits both sides because it jacks up that revenue, which the players do get a piece of that pie. Yep. Uh, we, we did see this was kind of, and maybe it's just because of social media, and we'll get to that later on other things also, that we're seeing uh, just a lot more opinions about this one than we did on the last one. Is it because we have access to the players? Is, is this like pretty typical, like we just have players that just don't like it? Or is the strong pushback from kind of these, you know, these NFL MVPs won. Like I know that Aaron Rodgers talked uh, was open against it. Why are we? Say, is it higher that they're open against it than previous CBAs? And also, what's their beef? Well, I think it's more fractured than we've seen it. We've seen guys in the previous lockout try and rally the troops and kind of all stay together to, to weather the storm. This one definitely seems more divisive amongst the NFL players. And partly for the reason that uh, the the pre-existing salaries and contracts that were out there, yeah, uh, those big money players are now impacted. Their 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 scale doesn't increase. Their their contracts don't increase. So they're ostensibly getting an extra game that they have to play, where they have to risk injury and career threatening, uh, uh, you know, uh, injuries. Um, for another game, for another playoff game, and everything like that. That's actually a great point because now that you bring it up, that's that is what's happening. You're right. Like if I signed a contract to do like a job and I have to deliver 16 videos or whatever, like 16 digital assets, and then yeah. all of a sudden in the middle of that, you know, in that contract that I have with whatever company that I'm working for, they come back and they're just like, oh, we want an actual 17th video added on that for the same cost. Essentially, that means like you're paying me less. Like you're not holding up to your agreement on the contract. Yeah, exactly. And that's and that's the thing, right? Is is that unfortunately they don't have like a you know a per game basis. They just have a, this is your salary for the season. Yeah. And so the term sheet is is just like all right. Well, we can just change that. We we can make it twenty games and we can do whatever we want. So it's like it's uh, they have no. I'm just saying like the the owners have the leverage in that and saying how many games that there are. The players are just, I'm I'm guaranteed through these seasons, not number of games that I play in that season. So the only way that they would actually see a benefit with the same contract is the fact that, so 
Okay, so we're looking at, let me cause and effect this a little bit. So we're looking at the teams do, players do get a bigger revenue share, but that won't, mm -hmm. that won't affect contracts already in place. Correct. And that only, and that will really impact, like I said earlier at the top, the 65% of the NFL players who make the minimum salary, who were on the one and two year deals, those guys stand just to go from 500,000, like 510 to like 620 or six. 605 or something like that like or i'm not doing that like at least at least a hundred thousand dollars more added to their salary yeah because that's a huge spike for them okay so now we almost have a civil war going because like the veterans that have the long contracts that are kind of our marquee players they're mm -hmm. against it but kind of the guys you know the majority of the nfl players would have to be for this because it's just like hey like this yeah you know this ups the league minimum per player and then also sure. like it gives the team more playing room where they would benefit though is part of this revenue agreement. I, I would think their uh, playoff win bonus or their postseason. There's postseason bonuses, right? If you make the postseason or playoffs, or there's at least a Super Bowl bonus. Yeah, yeah. There's a playoff pool that gets allocated and players which will be bigger. That. And that will be bigger. Which will be bigger, yes. But it's still, you know, nominal in comparison to some of their game checks. That, you know, the the guys who make in 17 million bucks in the season, the Odell Beckhams. You know, they're basically they make seventeen million dollars and they're getting like a million plus per game that they're playing because they get a game check. Now they're getting a million per game check and then going to like seventy five thousand, a hundred thousand, or if they make the Super Bowl, like a quarter of a million bucks. So in the grand scheme of things, yes, it's great. You're sounding like it's a lot of money, but these guys, as we know, you know, sensibly grow to the size of their cage, right? They have bigger mortgages yeah, and nuts to cover and things like that. Yeah. So they, uh, I, I'm in that same boat. You know, we all are. We all do that with our finances. So it's not just, you know, contingent to the, the, the NFL players. But I think that's why they're, they're, there's so much uh, dissension amongst the uh, union ranks for the labor side. Because there's, like, Russell Okung has a complaint with the National Labor Relations Board and he was backing a new NFLPA president, Michael Thomas, who's a defensive back for, I think, the Giants. And he was the biggest, not the wide receiver from the Saints. He was He's like a 10-year veteran. He's like 30 years old or, or, or 31 or so. And uh, he was the biggest outspoken, like, labor leader in that process to, like, really fight against this and say, this is bad for us. It's good for a lot of these people, but... Some of these guys won't be here for more than a couple years. We just signed this deal for 10 years. And so the few that are going to last and make it, you guys you guys aren't going to see the benefit of this. Yeah. Let me keep this really simple. If Aaron Rodgers is against it, I'm for it, and vice versa. Right. If he forces it, I'm against it, and he's against it. <clears throat> okay, so the last kind of macro question I want to ask about this um, Who's hit the hardest out of all this? Is it the number two seed in the postseason? Mm. Yeah, not having that buy. Yeah, because I mean, essentially, yeah, if, if you look, and guys, you don't know if you're not huge NFL fans. Uh, I am. I like to be the talent a little bit when I can drop it. Uh, I mean, this isn't brain surgery right here. Like we said in the past, it's not a true bracket, but kind of your two division leaders got a buy for the last like 15, 20 years, whatever it was, and now adding a new wild card means that so now we have uh four division winners and three wild cards so that number two that you've got to buy it makes that one seed that much more valuable but now is right. like the two and three seed kind of interchangeable 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think the only difference is is just a slight home field. You know, the home field advantage up until the conference title, right? Because then you would have ostensibly home field advantage until if you met the one seed, let's say. Yeah. So there's still that, and you'd like the home field advantage. I'd like to go back and research on home field advantage in the NFL. I know it's a mild difference, but it's. I think it's I think it's the most advantageous for a team in, in all the major sports. Yes. I don't think it's overwhelmingly so because I know baseball it's kind of it's not anything. Basketball not so much either. Well, I think it's I think it's I did read a book about this called Forecasting. If you guys like sports and kind of just economics, it kind of marries those two. Yeah. It's pretty fascinating. But it's uh, it was actually basketball. If I remember correctly, it was basketball number one, just because they okay. they talked about how close the crowd actually is to the ref. So when that ref blows oh. the whistle, like you can really, you know, like you kind of feel that feel, pressure yeah, yeah. of all these yeah, people kind of absolutely. breathing down on you. And then I, that makes I, sense. I think the NFL just uh, based on traveling and everything was um, number two. They will have that, but it's it's looking now just thinking again how valuable that first round buy is, like a buy just to rest your players. And I, I looked also and it said like something, God, I'm going to fuck up the stat but i might be saying it's too long but on some i think it was like seven years or six years like the last six or seven years the super bowl is has been either a number one or a number two seed on both sides oh okay oh really yeah i mean that makes sense right yeah it makes that bye week uh just super valuable um yeah all right brother um can i can i give you can i give you one of my things that i'm also worried about in this deal please do I'm worried about this deal about player development Ooh, because I was reading. You're yeah. such the so talent. This is, All right, good deep dive. What do you got for me, brother? Thank you. So, so the padded practices. So the NFL has restrictions on how many like physical practices they have, which are called padded practice, where you're, they're actually hitting and knocking guys around, right? Yeah. So in training camp, it went from twenty. You could have twenty-eight padded practices to sixteen padded practices. I mean, it's a, that's a pretty sharp decrease. And the regular season, it used to be, I think it was 17 or 18 in the regular season, is now down to 14. And you have to have 11 in the first 11 weeks, which means over weeks, you know, 12 through the end of the playoffs, you're only having three padded practices. So I'm a little worried about player development. I'm also worried about, because coaches always talk about, like, they need to be in football shape and they need to have football shape. And they need to have like you know the, the the kind of physical concussion of getting the bodies banged around a little bit. You know, I I know we want to mitigate head injury. Yeah. We also need to know what it's like to like get knocked around a bit and yep. fall on your ass and kind of callous those that body up. So I worry a little bit about the player development in this new thing, just because we're going to have a limited number of padded practices. That's such a great point. And someone, uh, I think I was listening to the Bill Simmons podcast, which comes up a lot here. Just don't want to make it look like we're ripping them off, even though we did start MAP date night for rewatchables. Just saying that out loud, like to get that on the, on record, <laughs> getting that on record. Um, so yes. And I think to that, uh, fear, are, are we also, we're reducing one preseason game. With a 17-game schedule. That doesn't roll out uh, in the 2020 season. It'll actually be 2021, even though we are adding the extra playoff team in 2020. Go ahead. Yes. They have the, they have the option. The owners have the option between 2021 through 2023 on that 17th game. Okay. So they get to decide when they're going to add that in. But, yeah, 2021 is the first year it can go. Okay, sure. And I'm, If they decide to do it. Yeah, and, and, and I'm, I'm sure they'll push for that. So if we do re- reduce that yeah. preseason game, and to your point, also <laughs> worried about player development – 
is week like one through four going to be even a little bit more of a sludge like teams really figuring themselves out than it already is yeah i mean that's what i think it's like they're you know the training camp the identity that you create in there the you know i've talked about this a ton galvanizing the locker room like really creating that that core system of what you're buying into happens in training camp and happens in those moments yeah so if you have less of that you have guys who are not really pre- i mean they're doing walkthroughs essentially and drills and things like that but they're not getting into that game mode right they're not going in and playing the game and and going through the you know the 110 percent so I just worry about yeah the the beginning of the first couple of weeks of the season, which are usually can be a little wonky. You know, somebody starts off really slow or comes out hot out of the gates and then you know settles to the you know the midline or whatever. It's it'll be interesting to see how that affects the beginning of the season. All right. So overall, does this improve or do we make the product worse? Yeah, I, that's what I'm nervous of. We're 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 making the product worse. You know, tackling has always been an issue. And is going in, I think, in the wrong direction. And I get it. Like, I, it's such a fine line to walk because you want to keep these guys safe and you don't want to make them torpedo and missile themselves into each other and cause each other like huge head injuries and, and you know, grave injuries. But at the same time, like, if they're not practicing good form, how can you protect yourself? All right, you're right. And we have time. So I do, uh, we'll jump into MA, MA parenting tip super soon. So we're, this is what always happens, right? And is the NFL going to end up you know, knocking itself off the throne as just America's pastime mm-hmm. just because they want more, more, more? Like this does feel like a greed move by adding another game and then like reducing practice. We're just giving you more of a, a product that's getting more mediocre. Right. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that could be the, the cause and effect of this, of this deal. Right. It's like, we're going to view more games. I mean, like we sit there and we, we talk shit on the Thursday night games all the time. I mean, yeah, cause it fucking sucks. when was the last Thursday night game that we were like, Oh fuck yeah, this is great. Or when was the last London game that was like, Oh man, I keep, that was an amazing game. Yeah. We keep like pushing them and spreading it out and adding more games and cutting down practice time or recovery time on these guys and then we throw on top of that, well, we'll make it better by, we'll reduce your practices, which may or may not, you know, uh, help you, but we'll definitely degrade the product a little bit. And we'll, we'll we'll add more games and we'll give you more money, but we'll just give it to the, the main guys, the guys that have, and you said it, like a 2.5 year shelf life for a deal that's 10 years while our marquee players, you know, we're going to just for the first five years, we're going to eat their lunch on these deals. And you know what I mean? Cause they've already, they've already been signed up for it. Yeah. And also the macro, like it just, you just don't want to be around something where the employees have disdain for their employers, you know? And it's just like, if, if our like marquee players are just like pissy about this or like, it just sucks. Like it sucks on the Thursday night games. Like here guys talking about Thursday night games, how much they fucking hate it and how they don't feel like yeah. the league has their back health wise. And it just seems like, the league is continuing to push that agenda and the way they're getting it done. And now this is all clicking for me. The way they're getting it done is to kind of win the camp of not our marquee players of the guys that just mm-hmm. want like a higher paycheck to just get it through the door. And then we're just going to have like pissy, like marquee players. Yeah. Cause it's the, it's the way that the numbers are set up. You know what I mean? It's like once the players, uh, the player reps from each team voted in two thirds majority, 
all the owners had to do was get a majority. And at that point, it was going to be a, an almost guaranteed. People were actually were surprised how close the vote actually was, considering that it was almost a 51-49 split. So it, it's definitely like, it's definitely the, the owners looked at it as a, how do we divide and conquer? How do we split these guys up? Go for what we want, which is more TV revenue. Now, I will say this. There are some benefits to that. There's, you know, in it once they add that 17th game starting in 2021 through 2023, there is a media kicker, which allows for their – and they go up a revenue percentage, so they go from 47% to 48%. But there's a media kicker. So if their TV revenue goes up by 60% um, or more, uh, it goes to 48.5%. And if it goes all the way up past 120% of their TV revenue with that 17th game, they get 48.8% uh, of the profit, of the total revenue, excuse me. And the NFL owners can't use stadium credits, which is basically, basic. you know, they can take off the top gross of, hey, we use this to improve the stadiums, we spent this money out of pocket, to lower that revenue number down. So there's, there's a little bit of a win there yeah. and kind of this, like, fluctuation. The other nice thing that they have started to do, um, which is probably the most beneficial to the veteran players that are out there, is that on, like, say, a uh, a veteran salary – they have what's called a veteran salary benefit. So if you've been with the team for four years and you're signing that fifth-year deal, if you sign, let's say, a, a six-and-a-quarter-million-dollar deal, only five of that will um, impact the cap. So it's basically like in basketball, they have the mid-level exception, which is like, you know, a $5 million pool that you have that doesn't go against your salary cap that you can spend for a player. They have that now in football where basically I can give you, you know, I'm just using it because it's easy numbers. It's, it's 1.25 that they can basically write off. I can give you six and a quarter million, but it only goes 5 million against the cap. So that is a little tangible benefits to those mid-level players that are higher than the minimum guys, but you know, or, or maybe on a year-to-year -year deal or just kind of moving from team to team. Yeah, I guess uh, Aaron Rodgers can just R-E-L-A-X. Relax. Bye, ah, all right, let's just jump into the inbox, bro. All right, Tommy can play. Uh, top three scenes in Tom Cruise movies that makes him seem more athletic than he actually is. Um, okay, here's the thing. Are we saying Tom Cruise isn't athletic? I know he's, I know he's short. I know he's probably like not my go-to like on the basketball court. I don't think there's been any scene where he actually like dribbles a basketball. He has a football. I'm movie. trying to think. That's a great point because I was trying to go through like the sports that he's played. Yeah. Like we know he's played football, yes. although I couldn't. I don't remember all the right moves. And I tried to YouTube, and there wasn't like great footage of him running and playing, so it's hard to tell. Yeah. I've seen him play baseball. Yep. A few good men. And a few good men. And softball. Softball. To be move. fair. Softball, right. And then, um, which I'll, I can get into that whole thing. Uh, sure uh, I'm trying to think of anything else. Volleyball, of course. Volleyball. Yeah. You know, and then that's really like the major sports that I could think okay, of. Okay, well, let's, let's jump into the list. Um, right here out of the gate, I have three more athletic than he actually is. I'm not, I'm still going to suspend the fact that I don't know if he's not athletic. Uh, I'll say my number three is Magnolia. He changes shirts before the interview, and he does like a legit like kind of handstand thing because he's all excited. I know people are – it's my number one movie. I know you know that most awesome. But he's kind of like – he's just in his briefs, and the dude is cut. Yeah. The dude is cut, and he kind of does this little like front kip thing. 
Yeah. To, like, get yeah. Oh, yeah. He's he's in shape. Like, he is fucking shredded. That is for sure. I took it to the more athletic realm. Yeah. Um, and I... But I still... To be athletic, you need a base. And this is why it's my number three. It's just, like, we've seen his base in a few movies, and the dude ain't afraid to hit the gym. Okay. All right. I like it. I like that you're going little mini Mia in this. Um, I, uh, I didn't go in that order, but I will go... I like... I know he's got good hand-eye coordination. He's got some skills, some moves. I'm going color of money. Playing pool, man. It looks like he could could line it up, dude. He was doing some fun shots. You're embarrassing me, but yeah, like there's there's a shot where he actually breaks those balls, and that's kind of, you know, I'm a pool player, bro. I know. I thought thought this was going to be right there. No, no, it's good. It's good. You know, I shoot some stick. Yeah, and there's some, it's just, you know, that to me kind of opened up a little rabbit hole if you were going to, like, pounce on me to be like, is pool a sport? Is it athletic? So I appreciate the fact that I let you bring that out so I can high-five yeah. you and agree to it. Um, my <laughs> other one, Mission Impossible. I think it was Ghost Protocol. I'm not sure. I really haven't watched all those movies. But there's one where he runs, like, around the outside of a building. Yeah? Do you remember that? Yes. Yes. I put all of the Mission Impossibles <laughs> on there because in one pot. they're all running and jumping. Yeah. Like he's on it's plane, really like he's really hanging out on planes and shit. That, that's athletic. he's hanging on. He, yeah, he's athletic. He's dropping down from ceilings. There's some athletic mo- mo- movements in there. I did find something on Rotten Tomatoes, which I thought was hysterical. They tallied up. I don't know when they when the end date was, but all of the running, like the running scenes where he's done. Oh yeah, they've tallied it up, kind of as they've, however, they've figured it out. How much? Twenty four thousand feet. 24,000 feet and all the running scenes. Okay, that's great. Yeah. It's good stuff. I think I forgot about that. Like, he has that firm scene where he's just, like, sprinting, like, in the rain. Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, this guy's athletic. Uh, my number one, uh, yeah, I mean, you got to do Top Gun volleyball. I mean, to play volleyball like that and in jeans, which I'm not going to, this is just, you know, it's kind of old joke. I'm not going to jump on it. It's a little, like, um, what, what is it when you use, when you use someone else's jokes where it's, like, What's that called? When it's just You're hacky? Hacky. Thank you. Yes, it's hacky. So I'm not going to get too deep into it, but it is like, it's an athletic scene. He's he's throwing himself around, digging out, digging balls. Yeah. He's, it's not the most, if you break, well, actually, if you, you really should, watch you should it break with this down because, yeah, because you're a V-ball player. Yeah. So that's, yeah, I do your, play volleyball in college. Yeah. 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 Oh, it's far from my corner now, my <laughs> friend. But no, he does, he does have quick, he looks quick on the court and he's, they're playing in sand. So, there is a thing of the sand monster well, that'll that'll eat you up, but he looks like he can move around. The jumping and hitting the ball over the net—that's yeah. a little suspension of sure. disbelief okay. right there, belief right there. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, but he can move around, and the playing in jeans is fucking insane. Yeah. Like why anyone would do that? And then uh, yeah, but it was good. I mean, he could move around. He could definitely set. He should have been like a guy that's like a hustler digging balls out. Not really a guy that's gonna be spiking all over the place. He should have been setting goose up. Hundred percent. Yeah, um, I did have to say there is on um, if you watch War of the Worlds, uh, there's a scene where he's throwing the ball with his son, and his baseball release, is, his like throwing release is terrible. Oh, is it bad? It is awful. It's it just looks odd. He like he like throws it from his side and kind of shot puts it. It's it's an odd release. Oh. And then if you watch the and if you watch a few good men when he's when he's doing BP for the softball, yeah, he's all choked up on the bat. It doesn't look good. B. He's hitting a lot of diggers, a lot of grounders. Well, I think, into the but ground. isn't that what you do as a coach when you're kind of like trying to get? I was actually impressed with that because I don't like, um, I don't know if you're coaching yet, but I was always I remember being impressed as a kid, just like 
when the coach would kind of warm you up and then he'd be able to put the ball like wherever he wanted. That's not super easy. But I guess in fairness, we're not seeing where those Tommy Cruz softballs are going after he hits them. Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. They could have been fired out of uh, like a little uh, softball cannon. Sure, that's right, that's right. Um, all right, bro. Uh, next email, uh, Ocho. What's your favorite ESPN the Ocho competition? Mine is Stone Skipping Competition. It takes place at what Mackinac Island. Has most yep. awesome ever scored seeds. This one's from the Banger. Doing well. Emailer of the year. That's right. That's right. Maybe up for running for 2020. Uh, I don't know. Can he go back to back? I don't know. Back to back chips. Possible. Um, okay. So we mean Ocho in the joking sense, right? He's just talking about kind of sports that are this. I didn't miss something, right? This channel doesn't exist. It's from Dodgeball. No, I don't think so. Yeah. We're just talking about to be like, fair. Yeah. Can I just be honest right now in full disclosure? Uh, in January, we got rid of all cable. Like we don't even stream like any cable services whatsoever. Uh, just because basically we were doing it through PlayStation v- uh, View and it went defunct, and I've just been not like really concerned about getting up for new service like Sling or yeah, 100%. we have Netflix, we have Hulu, we have all that other stuff. You're good. Um, yeah, yeah. So I haven't seen anything new on it, but I do have ESPN Plus. So I do like watching all the old like games and stuff like that. Uh, but before, back in the day when I did have cable, going to those like obscure sports, the thing that I love to watch was the strongman competition. Oh, that was on my list. I was going to ask you if yes, that was maybe. like a little too. So I had that. Um, I was going to ask you. Magnus yeah, for Magnuson. Magnus, yeah, Magnus. Gets, fucking gets it going. Right, like taking the kegs and like throwing them over the back there. Like it was like Insane. pulling semi-trucks. It was, I was, a, yeah. that's a great watch. They should bring that back. There's no way, like whenever you're flipping channels, back in the time we used to flip channels and you come across that, you're yeah. just like, I, I'll, I'll watch one competition. You know, I'll watch the one where he, sure. like, there's just like four girls sitting on like these little baskets on seats and he's just like doing fucking squats with them. Oh yeah. Or what about where he has to go to each one of these like pedestals that get increasingly higher and pick up these huge stone balls. And he's like, his arms are all chalked yeah. up and they're like lifting up and I'm like, and this one is like a quarter of a ton. This one is like a full half ton. And you're like, that's a thousand pounds. I mean, a thousand pounds. It's a fucking lot of weight. It's huge. It's insane. You know, what I also loved about the strongman competition was the camaraderie. Like every time yeah. they got done like competing against each other, like everybody like high five after like each event. And it was like super, it was yeah, you can bring that back. Uh, is poker count, or is that a little too mainstream? Uh, well, it, it used to be. I would say it used to be on there, but now it's definitely like the World Series of Poker. Yeah. Your movie Rounders brought it sure. in the forefront. All right, that's fair. Yeah, I tried to sneak you know, that one by. Yeah. You didn't let it happen. I like it. Um, that's all right. Strongman competition was on my list. And then um, I'll probably go with Spikeball over the last year if I want to do something like kind of – have you seen this? Oh, with the, with the I've seen these guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little shout-out to my niece and nephews. Hopefully they're not – listening but uh be. go to bed <laughs> go to bed but uh when i went back over uh they had the game and they introduced me to it it's it's one of those things like kind of tennis where both people need to be on the same level and good for it to be yeah. fun at all but it's a super yeah. interesting watch yeah i uh no it is i like it because there is some athleticism too i like i do like watching the i like watching bowling every once in a while oh shit there was a guy Oh, you guys are – I'm killing you guys right now. Drink, everybody. Yeah. The guy – I think it's Peter Weir, Peter Ware, who is uh, a bowler who's like the bad boy. He's kind of like <laughs> what uh, B- B- Bill Murray based his category and or is, uh, is a character in uh, King uh, – uh, 
What is Kingpin. it? I almost said Aaron. Kingpin. Yeah. I almost said something else. I had to stop myself. <laughs> I almost said the league that shouldn't be named. Um, maybe I have been drinking too much. I don't know. Um, but uh, but yeah, I like that. I also like watching darts. Darts is fun to watch. Have you ever watched it? Like, just to yeah. turn it on, kind of like it's like you know, it's like white noise in the background. You're just like, oh, okay. It's and I think it brings it back to why we like sports. It's it's interesting to watch people do something consistently that looks impossible. Like if you yes. just told me on paper, darts is a great example that somebody could like, you know, strategically like put two in the bullseye and then like one in the triple 20, I'd be like impossible and do it over and over again. But it's also like, right. um, yeah, same thing with bowling. It's just like, Oh, if you told me someone who's just like, would be expecting a perfect game each time they walk in, they'd be like, that's crazy. Yeah. So it's yeah. Uh, great. Yeah, obsc- the obscure talents, the obscure talents watching that is impressive. Yeah, just it's like how how did you know you had the ability to do that? Did you seek it out, or did we just like pick up a you know like a needle one day and fire it into the corkboard? Yeah, like, I don't think it is. I, I think it goes to just the repetition, like this becoming the master of something. Like if you wanted to be yeah. a great dart player, I mean, there's I'm not taking away from the skill, but it's just like all right, like. I'm going to do this one thing and I'm going to do it fucking great. And I'm going to spend, you know, eight hours a day doing it for like 10 years. Well, it's like Jared Allen and a bunch of former NFL players are trying to become Olympic curlers. Have you, have you seen about or heard yeah, about this? Yeah, what's going on with that? We got the time. What's up? Yeah. No, it's it's as simple as that. They're going and they are grinding it out and all like, uh, you know, the pro-ams and things like that for curling, trying to win a spot on uh, the uh, Olympic curling team. That's great. Let's keep a little, let's dog ear that. Let's keep an eye on it. All right. <clears throat> Yeah. Uh, should it count? James Harden's stat line uh, a few games ago before the season got shut down was 30 points, 10 rebounds, 14 assists, and 10 turnovers. Only five players mm. have achieved a quadruple double stat line in history. Should this count as one? And then we got a little bonus thing most awesome for 10 Mavi dollars. Can you name three of them? <clears throat> All right. Um, let me jump on this one because uh, okay. you, you get to do the back. <clears throat> Anything that your opponent isn't actively trying to stop you for doing, like, should not <laughs> count into a stat line. Anything an opponent right. can actually assist and help you out in getting that stat line should not. So this should not count. We're counting the 10 turnovers right, right. as, you know, as a double-digit stat line. But it's like you could theoretically get that in the first three minutes if you want points. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, you could, you could, infl- <laughs> you could get triple doubles all the time by rolling the ball out of bounds for the first three minutes. And then going back to it, yes, um, it sh- you're right. I don't think it should count, although technically, uh, it, are they counting it, or did they count it as a quadruple double, or do they just like were they tongue in cheek counting it as it? Because I remember seeing the video where the guys were like chuckling, the announcers were chuckling when he did it, but I don't think they were actually like realistically like oh it was a triple double or a quadruple double. I don't think they were actually counting it. Well, maybe we'll check that out. Let people know on Instagram Live. Uh, I'll put that homework to you, yeah. but it should. It would be insane if it did count. It would, yeah, because you're 100 percent right. Like anything that would aid in the team, the uh, the opponent's team's success, yeah, should not be counted for a quadruple double, which is something that's like a a, a revered like your impact on the game. And I guess it's never been specifically said, but it always should be for the positive, right? Like exactly, you know. yeah, yeah. You yeah, need to be stopped. So. Um, all right, can you name three of them? There's been five players that achieved. Can you name three? Five. Okay. Um, so I wrote some down thinking that I've not looked on the internet. I'm assuming you have, right? You've looked this up. Oh, no. I was supposed to do that. That's right. I'll pull it up right now. Okay. 
Um, so you have to think about guys. The way that my mind thought about this is you have to think about guys that can fill the stats sh- sheet. And I know one for sure is David Robinson. I know that for sure. He had block steals uh, or blocks, assists, and uh, rebounds and points. Yep. But uh, so, so you're looking for guys like that. The next guy in my mind who played in that era, who I'm also pretty confident who could get 10 blocks or 10 steals along with a double-double um, and assist, too, is uh, Akeem Olajuwon. Yeah, these are both right. Let me hit him with the stats. Okay, so David Robinson, February 17th, 1994. He had 34 points, 10 yeah. rebounds, 10 assists, 10 blocks. Akeem Olajuwon, yep. you're correct, March 29th, 1990. He had 18 points, 16 rebounds, 10 assists, 11 blocks. Yeah, so, you, so you're looking for those guys. So whoever can do the points, rebounds, assists, and either steals or blocks. Those are the guys that are getting that. Yeah. So then my and I and I went with big name players that would have a big impact. So my third is another guy who could do it all. I'm gonna go. I'm I'm guessing. Do I get? Do I just have? Do I gotta go three for three? No, you don't have to go three for three. And this okay. is gonna make it a little bit more difficult. Uh, so there are five. There's five in history. Two of those are owned by Akeem Olajuwon. He, he did it twice oh. in the same month. He, he did uh, March 3rd, 1990. Before, two in the same month. Because remember, the other one was March 29th, 1990. Uh, 29 points, 18 oh, rebounds, 10 assists, 11 blocks. So, yeah, because David Robinson was the last one to do it. Yeah, so that means you have... Yeah. yeah I'll, the only hint I'll give you, so that means basically... There were no four, hints, no hints. Don't give me any hints. Don't give me any hints. Oh, go. Like what are you going to say? I like it. No, I, I, yeah, I want to keep it clean. I was just going to say, you're, so uh, you basically, you have to go three for four was the challenge that you got on. Uh, okay, I got gotcha, you. I got gotcha. you. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm still going to go with this one. I don't remember him ever doing it, but he seems like he would have been likely to do it or have have a good possibility to do it because he could rebound, he could pass. The round mound of rebound, Charles Barkley. Is he on the list? He's not on the list. Oh, son of a bitch. Our next, okay. our next earliest before this gets uh, – this is the only hint. Do you want years for hints? I don't want. I don't want years. I don't want. I wrote down my. Okay. I wrote it down. I wrote. I wrote actually six names down right. that could possibly one. I I actually eliminated, and I was like, oh, that's not the guy I was thinking of. So I'm gonna go with this guy. I believe he's still the all-time steals leader in league history. Maybe I'm. I'm going with Alvin Robinson. You Ro- Robert got it, bro. Tim Mabby dollars coming to us. Allen Robertson, February 18th, 1986. 20 points, 11 rebounds, 10 assists, 10 steals. Uh, do you want to take a stab I, at the last one? Um, I mean, I did. I did. I wrote Theo Ratliff because he was a former Pistons uh, guy, and he he could he would block the shit out of stuff. And I thought maybe he could also get steals, but I don't know. I don't think that's probably right. Uh, no, probably the most impressive stat line: October 18th, 1974, before our time, brother. Oh, Nate Thurmond. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. 22 points, no, I mean, that makes, 14 I, rebounds, 13 assists, 12 blocks. Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised I didn't guess like a Wilt Chamberlain or like a Bill Russell. Yeah. I don't know. But, you know, I don't think they kept block stats back then until like the mid-70s. You're right. I would have been swinging and missing. All right, MAMA parenting tip. Bring us to the jam. Throw your hands in the air if you're a true player. All right, MAMA parenting tip. Quarantine Juniors edition. Uh, what's going on in your house, bro? 
What's happening? Oh, shit, bro. We're just living that quarantine life, doing the homeschool. Yeah. Actually, just I think we were talking just the other day. On, on uh, Thursday, the governor came down and actually shut schools down in the state of Indiana for the rest of the year, which was really funny for me because I think I and Dr. Mrs. the Commish and like 2.0 and Commissette's teachers, I think we were more bummed by it, like or more upset by it, Commissette, uh, when I kind of broke the news to her on Friday morning. Granted, I definitely kind of steered it in the positive light. Like I tried to tell her like, uh, we're going to get to do this homeschool for the rest of the year. And then the next time you get to go back to school, you're going to be a big first grader. And she was fine with that. You know what I mean? I didn't come out there and I was like, oh, school's canceled. That's it for the school year. Never yeah, so, again. No, I think that's great. So how does that, uh, you know, what's the strategy having that conversation? Because I want to talk about it on the macro on two different angles, right? We're talking educationally, sure. which yeah. got to get them to get their learning on. And I'm sure it yeah. means, you know, your kids are a little younger, so I don't think it's quite as dramatic. But, you know, I also, no. just to hear kind of your theories on, you know, kids that were like sophomores in high school. Like, are they just going to be like juniors in high schools now yeah. and then also um on the i know i'm throwing a lot at you i haven't done that in a while but i'm back to being me bro uh also <laughs> can't just, take the brain dan out of the quarantine or the quarantine out of the brain dana just kind of the uh the social tip also like i think at that young age yeah. you kind of get used to hanging out with your friends and i could see that as being you know devastating is strong but kind of hard to wrap your mind around like i'm not going to see my friends for you know five months that's a really long time as a kid yeah, it, it's a huge amount. So we've done one play date. Kamishad has done a play date. Got basically like a Skype, Google Hang type thing. Um, and I think that was the time where Kamishad really struggled with it the most because she knows FaceTime and she knows like that concept. But to have like a play date with her friend who, when they go and do stuff, they play LOL dolls or they do this or that and then kind of be stilted and then having like two, you know, separate conversations and play things going on at the same time was a little like top. That's the time where I could see she was getting a little frustrated with it. Um, so at this age, because I don't think they're socially advanced, we're probably going to try and limit that a little bit or maybe not try and put it in the guise of like a play date, maybe like to say hi and to talk and yeah. do something that's more conducive to FaceTime. So I think we're going to have to re-strategize for that because we thought it would just be like, well, then play and they'll play in their dolls. And it's just, it's not the same. Not quite in, yeah. Yeah, and and they're not versed well enough in to kind of figure out how to make it work, right? Um, so there's that. And then, um, you know, like the, you know, we, we Dr. And Mrs. The Commission and I knock on wood for so many different things about our kids being the ages that, that they are during this time, A, from their you know, the impact that it has on kids their age, which is, I mean, is a, if there's a silver lining in anything, it's that, right? Uh, and then secondarily to that is, is you know, um, that they don't quite understand the gravity of what's going on, which is good. And we're able to really kind of frame and have open conversations with them about what's going on, but still make sure that they, you know, put it in a way, frame it in a way that makes it, like, safe and understand. So, you know, obviously we explain like what social distancing are. They know, know what social distancing are, but they understand it's going to be for, it's not going to be how our lives are going to be. It's going to be for a period of time. And then eventually we're going to be able to do all the same things that we did before. But, you know, for this period of time, we have to stay safe. And the biggest thing that we've talked about is, is 
not just staying safe for ourselves, but staying safe for others. So that's why I'm working from home and you're not going to school because while this isn't going to probably affect a lot of people that you know every day, it does affect. And, you know, we have uh, Pop-Ops who's 100, will almost be 103 in in July, who's actually in New York. Uh, and he's alive and doing well. And, uh, you know, so she understands that that he and grandma and grandpa are at elevated risk or higher risk for this. And so that's why, even though we miss them and we want to see them, that's why we're doing this. It's for them, you know, as well, as much as it is for us. And we're still going to practice all the, the proper hand washing and, um, um, uh, you know, just, you know, good hygiene techniques and things like that. And Kamishet has uh, a little tendency to be a little hand-wringy and have a little anxiety and worry over things. So we actually got, uh, Dr. and Mrs. The Commission actually got a book, uh, like it, it's like a character book about how to deal with anxiety and how to understand anxiety. And, and it even gives some like little uh, tips and tricks on how to kind of deal with that as a, as a six-year-old or as a five-year-old. And, you know, Commission like totally gravitated, totally, you know, uh, comprehended what was going on. And even on Friday it was, they were like coloring and, and drawing pictures. And she was like drawing pictures of, well, this is the little anxiety right next to the girl. And that's her little, cause it was like this whole little, like, you know, dark cloud on the side, but, yeah. um, it was really good. And it definitely was like, Oh, well that's good. She's understanding it. And she started to, to wrap her, her mind around these more adult complex emotions that we have. And especially right now during this time, like, that's all that, you know, we're, we all are walking with a little bit of extra anxiety and worry and fear and things like that. So our, our biggest game plan ultimately, and I would say with anyone with kids or anyone in general is, is to try and minimize it and control what you can control. I mean, that's the, that's the most important thing. Like we can control our mindsets, our positive mental attitudes. We can control our exposure to this good hand hygiene, staying six feet from others, uh, not putting ourselves in, in large groups of people. And then we can also control how we react to how others are, right? Because, Brandana, you're in great spirits, and I'm, I'm glad to see that. But, you know, if you were down in the dumps or you were, you were struggling, I can't control how you feel, but I can control how I interpret what's coming off of you. Yeah. And, not to, and really try and focus in on not to carry that with me. And so as parents in these moments – you know, it's our jobs to, as much as we got to do work and we're worried about everything like that, like try and leave and just like anything, check that shit at the door, leave it outside and just create a safe space. And guess what? Like your kids are by and large, you're, you're going to find joy and happiness and love. And so if you're feeling blue on the outside, when you come home, you're going to have a nice warm environment to go to and a loving you know place to be at and i found found myself falling prey to it all the time and reading stuff online and getting bent out of shape and then you know you have to realize like all right i gotta i gotta dial it back in and you know be here for my kids and 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 be here for dr mrs the commish and try and kind of put on a good face and ultimately it helps feed that positive mental attitude that i'm trying to create and and build it back up for me yeah that's great and it's like I mean, I'm obviously not a parent, but I think that's almost a tip you can lift. Everybody can lift. Like, you can only control what you can control. And I do like giving out the positive vibe. And I like that you kind of feel it. Yeah. It's not, not to bring it back to me by any point, but it's just, you know, if you're hanging, 
you're talking to friends or Zoom conversation with friends or just on the phone, like there's not, I don't even feel like there's enough information to get like doom and gloom. Like if a positive attitude right now is more valuable than even it used to be, you know, right? Like everybody's yeah, kind of got their sure. own things are going through. But if it's just like, hey, if you can be just kind of a constant in just a bro's life, wherever you're talking to is just like, hey, like this, like we're all, we're going to get through this on the other end. We don't know what's going to look like. And anyone that tells you they know exactly what it's looked like is not being truthful. But right. what I can tell you is like, I'm always going to be a part of your life and we're going to figure it out. Like I'll be there. Yeah, yeah. I'll like, get it out on the other end. Uh, the other question I want to ask you real fast is, <clears throat> so I know when I come to visit you and I went through this with uh, my other friends that have young kids, a big part of it, right, is keeping them active, getting them activities, mm-hmm. like letting them yeah. do things like, uh, and that seems to be absolutely hamstrung. I know when I went to see you, like we got the king of the hill with commission at 2.0 and just, uh, you know, part of the day is let's get him to this small like playground or like whatever it is, just get him out yeah. of the house. Yeah. Like, um, that's compromised right now. So what's the, um, what's the kind of like substitution? Yeah, there's really not great stuff. So um, we've had like up and down weather. We've had rain. We had today we had rainy weather. So it's not like we could get out of the house. So literally like right after dinner, we were making them do wind sprints. And I was <laughs> carrying, I was carrying Kamish Jr. <laughs> like toting, toting the rock and have them try and chase me around the house. So um uh, you just have to get creative. There are some good things, uh, and my girls and even Kamish Jr. particularly love it. There's some things on like YouTube, so you can pull up YouTube on your TV if you if you can do that. And there are like kids exercise videos and dance videos and things like that to get them kind of up and moving. Um, we're doing Google Classroom, as I'm sure a lot of uh, parents with kids that are in school during this time. Um, what does that What does that look have... like? Are, are different. Is it an actual teacher? Are different parents like signing up for just like I'll take Tuesday, like you get Wednesday? What's, no. what's the landscape? No, no. I wish it was something like that. Um, no, it is basically like virtual. You log in. The parents have to read and figure out what the assignments are, and then do it. And thankfully, this is where I I knock on wood because our girls aren't really. Lo- I mean, they're learning like sight words and how to read stuff and. Uh, stuff you stuff you know like they're less than plan i can crush track down yeah (laughs) yeah exactly so so i'm good on that and then you know thankfully you know our nannies are still coming uh to the house which is great so they're 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 supporting it and there is a lot of like there's a lot more like ipad play so they have like commission has uh technology art um she has there's a gym class on there and so that's where like they'll post some videos of like some activity things to do um and then uh good shepherd because my girls go to catholic school so there's a religious component that's based in that and um i'm trying to think about what uh, what else but a lot of it's like reading stuff and learning sight words and stuff like that and it's so funny too because like she'll power through it pretty quickly and get it done in like an hour or two and then yeah just have the free day. So then they've got to think of other things to, you know, draw and pictures to draw sidewalk chalk. If you want to invest in sidewalk chalk, that's a good move right now because everyone's out there drawing on their own <laughs> sidewalk. And thankfully we've got a little playground set up in the back. So the girls will have some more free time. Riding the bikes is a big thing, you know, just trying to get them outside in the backyard or, or trying to think of fun stuff to do during this time. Yeah. You know? So we just say the number one hack is just kind of keeping uh, a day-to-day routine is it like uh showing them the schedule at the beginning of the day like kind of like that just going through what's going to go down is it just like 
Right. Being react. Trying to get him, yeah. Try to get him, trying to get him into their normal routines as much as possible. So, you know, get him out of bed, get breakfast into him, change him into clothes, brush their teeth. You know, uh, one of the nannies will be be there by them. We let him come a little bit later than than normal. Uh, then I go downstairs and get to work, and then you know we I kind of keep an eye on. I pop in every once in a while to check in or to to show him, hey, we've got this this and that to do, and you know, I mean. We try and keep them on the schedule, lunchtime schedule, get some fo- uh, food. They take, a, they talk a lot about giving the kids at this age like brain breaks. So it, you can't like plow through all this stuff too much, too too fast a lot of times, especially if they're struggling. So get them out there for 10, 15 minutes and, and get them moving and just get them doing something if you can or, or have them run around or turn on some music and be silly or just read a book or draw or do something different, right, for, for 10, 15 minutes. Give yourself a reprieve from any of the schoolwork that you got. Yeah, nor do you want to do that, right? They plow through all the schoolwork. Like, the day just kind of becomes, like, what are we doing today? We're just, like, you know, prison rules. Yeah. Brandana can handle that because he's got to work out and do all this shit and stuff. But it's just, like, the kids, right, right, like, right, let's right, spread right. this out. Oh, they've done push-ups. It's pretty funny to watch. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, well, if you need any help, like, if you want to do, like, a little Brandana, like, um, gambling course on what over-unders are or anything, just let me know. You FaceTime me in. It'll just kind of – it'll expand their mind a little bit. They'll learn about gambling. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like this from an educational level. <laughs> this is the street Brandana. I'm going to give you education on the street. Yeah, maybe a little too soon. Uh, all right, it may be date night. He got game. Bring us to the jam. Oh, yeah, it's the mad date night. The showdown is where they fight. Here they discuss if this movie sucks. Why? Because this pot fucks. I said this pot fucks. Oh yeah, this pot fucks. All right, coming out of the Spike Lee division, March Madness, movie three of four, 1998's He Got Game. Uh, how many times do you see this movie, brother? I'd say probably like a half dozen times. You know what I mean? I, I it's the story. I will get. I don't want to get into it. It's one of those things where I like watching some scenes of it, but yeah. there are other scenes. Where I'm like, if I came into it uh, and we we're just like anything to do with like Lala and Jesus, I'm like, all right. I'll just move on. I don't tire of this. You're you're totally right. Like this is one of those movies that you're kind of flipping through the channels. You can leave it easily. The movie's not going to trap you. And I think that's going to yes. like shorthand a little bit. And it sounds like we're eye to eye. And I'm definitely going to dig deeper on plot points. But it is like there are some scenes that are great. Denzel Washington's hitting a home run right here. And I think this is – because this is before training day, I believe. So this is – I want to say it's, it's our first time seeing a little bit darker Denzel Washington character. Yes. Yes. It, it, yes. 100%. Uh, Denzel – Stay for the Denzel scenes. They'll be well worth it. It felt like to me that like Denzel got thrown into a movie and was like trying to act his way to like bring everyone like what the, like is everyone coming with me? Are we doing? Are we acting in a movie or am <laughs> yeah, I just the only yeah. one acting right now? Yeah, oh, that's a great point. So uh, we'll hit that on the macro. But I do so just the macros right now. I love the premise. I love the idea. It's super yeah. simple, and I think you're getting that vibe. And maybe I'm learning more about like what I actually like in a movie. I like a really clean premise. Like, it's super yeah. simple. It's just, this guy's in prison. Like, uh, he murdered his wife. We'll jump into that a little bit. Like, murder sounds a little too harsh. Like, from what we see, and we actually see the scene in the movie, is like, uh, involuntary manslaughter, his wife. Right. 
So he but. gets, um, I did the math. It appears that he gets 23 years for doing it, which means he was kind of set up on not involuntary manslaughter. That sounds like a, a tough hang, a little like extended sentence from voluntary manslaughter. Yeah. So they actually feel yeah, like. Yeah, it seems, it seems a heavy f- penalty. Yeah, it seems like uh, they actually convicted him as like a murderer. Uh but yeah, so he uh, he's the president. And basically, the governor is the governor of the state is a huge, uh, big state fan. I hate the name of the universities in this movie. Like this like, fucking kills me. <laughs> totally honest. Tech Tech U, and it's like, it's like I know Adam Carolla has always said like when they start phone numbers with five five five. Yeah, you know what I mean. And then it's like this is the big tech and and big state or Tech U and big state are like, come on, man. Right. Can yeah. you get something close to? A real school. Exactly, which is weird because on the positive, like what I do like is how much we have. We have Dick Vitale. We have probably like six, seven actual college coaches that appear in this movie. Roy Williams being one of them. Uh, We have like some pro coaches showing up. uh, uh, Supersonics coach at the time, which moved on. So it's just like, I, I love, I love when fucking movies do that, which is my big problem with Go Ahead Buddy. And the high school that Jesus Shuttleworth plays with, Abraham Lincoln, the Rail Splitters, is a real high school in Coney Island, where fucking Stefan Marbury and Sebastian Telfair both played in high school. It makes me fucking nuts. So I think it's like I'll bring up two for the money also, which is the Matthew McConaughey Al Pacino gambling movie where they don't use any NFL teams, which makes it a hard watch because that always takes you out. Yeah. And it seemed on this one they had it so close. And it's just like, mm-hmm. is it, it's gotta be dealing with the fact that like he's getting money on the side and shit where the NCAA was like, I don't want any part of this, but then how can the coaches show up? Like have like little cameos in the movie. Yeah. Right. Cause they're the, cause well, their, their cameos are very like stilted in the, you know, this is the biggest decision of your life and what a great basketball player you are and not, nothing to do with the seedier side of the, uh, the game you know what i mean sure it's but, not but like they, blue they chips active, where they're getting their hands dirty that's true they were active coaches so wouldn't they have to get the green light from the ncaa I, or maybe not i don't know if they would have yeah. to i mean this is like you know as long as they weren't portraying the school that they represent in a negative light which is why everything kind of kept it on the up and up they, like you didn't you didn't have like loot olsen going into the gym to try and you know pay uh jesus shuttleworth under the table all right you're right you know what I mean? well, yeah we're, we're off to the races okay so Dad serving 15 years, uh, uh, he is eight years into a 23-year sentence. We, he has 15 years left. The governor is a big fan of Big State University. Jesus Shuttlesworth is basically LeBron James level coming out yeah. of high school. And so they're just like, we'll reduce your sentence if you can get Jesus Shuttlesworth, which is played by Ray Allen, to commit to uh, Big State U. So they let him out. If they can pull him off, they have kind of a handshake deal that they'll reduce his sentence. That's the premise. Right. Super fucking clean. I'm in. Let's go. This movie, totally plausible. You buy yeah. it. You buy. You're 100 percent bought in. Uh, this movie's two hours and eight minutes. Um, mm-hmm. So whatever. We'll get the plot points. It needs to be about an hour forty. Let's just dig in. Uh, let's just. I we're we're constantly figuring out this just structure of how we do this. It's hard to bounce <laughs> in and out. Like we'll just. Here's my top line shitting on the movie things. Ray Allen is a terrible actor. Yes. Um, it kind of works with him in some place in this movie, but it's really hard to look past him. And I, I'm not yeah. sure, like, it's it's bad, but it's also, you know, we make our sacrifice. So we'll get into the it's a good segue to how's the basketball. 
Yeah, the basketball is pretty good. Again, they got uh, through. There's in the on the rail splitters team, Sip, and then the two big guys are both played by NBA players, uh, John Wallace, Walter McCarty. Uh, Sip is played by Travis Best, who went on to Georgia Tech and played in the NBA for the Pacers. Boog is the only actor. Yeah, that is out there, and he's, he's great. great. I, he's I, great. I, yeah. yeah, I love him. He's good. Um, but yeah, so the basketball is pretty good, and obviously, uh, you know. Spike Lee cast this movie and got Ray Allen, who, predating LeBron James, was the perfect representation of like the like the athletic, picturesque, like beautiful jumper, like smooth handle, like physically gifted, all the things, like anything that you could like. He is perfect in everything that he does and flows gracefully on the court. He's a great representation of what you would believe someone to be a like world beater hall of fame potential player as an 18 year old kid. So that holds up. I've tried to go back and forth and try and like, maybe I make excuses for Ray Allen in this, or at least the casting it. Cause he's not a good actor. He's not an actor. He's a hall of yeah, fame. Yeah, and NBA also player. like, I, yeah, I don't want to shit on him. Like you just, I mean, he took this opportunity and he, you know, so we go back and forth on, right? Like what well, we've been doing this entire March madness kind of, it may be date night thing is just like, is it better to have actors play basketball players, which runs into a problem. We have somebody like Wesley Snipes, or is it better to have like (laughs) basketball players like try to act, which is, this seems like kind of the, the apex of the other side of the problem, which is the basketball is fucking great. Uh, The scenes are a tough hang. Sometimes I try and give it because sometimes this happens with big time professional athletes or, kids that have been early on, they don't develop much of a personality. So I've tried to like give that excuse to Jesus Shuttleworth. Like maybe he's just like, just been a robot playing basketball his entire life and never really had to like, and everyone's been like fawning over him since he was a kid. And he was, he's basically like, you know, like uh, Todd Marinovich esque where his dad has just been maniacal with him. And so he had, he developed no other outside interests. Yeah. So it really doesn't have much to say and he's kind of a robot. So I, I know I've invented a whole backstory that probably is, has nothing to do with the movie whatsoever, but that has always like given me a little like peace of mind as to like, well, this is just, just cause Jesus Shuttleworth is like a, like a prodigy and he, he's a fucking weirdo outside of basketball. Oh, I'm sure Spike Lee was saying the exact same fucking things where they're trying to edit this movie together. <laughs> right, it was just right. like, this will completely work. Uh, what do we think about Denzel Washington's ball? He can play. Yeah, it's not bad. He, 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 he does, a little hoop. He 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 cocks it back a little deep, but I think that's yes, an older man's game, also. So it kind yeah, of still does. plays. Yeah, exactly, and it and it makes and it makes sense because uh, you know he he has a little little shot, but God, he is like the coaching scenes with him and the shit talking scenes with Ray Allen when he's older are just like fantastic. Like uh, you can feel like you can see the demons coming up when he's coaching his kid. Uh, Jesus, when he's like 11 years old and, and they get in an argument, he fires the ball over the fence, yeah. which comes up later on in the movie. But uh, you can see him like drinking 40s on the sideline and then coming back and then just getting a, more and more aggressive with his 11-year-old son. It's uh, it's it's gut-wrenching to watch. That's great. I did have a note about it. I'm glad you brought it up. So fuck it. Let's just get into it. This is our podcast. Uh, okay, so the coaching scenes. Is that how you're going to coach your kid? Is that too far? Obviously, because there's some that lead up to it. And like in the beginning, like, it kind of you do I don't want to say fall prey, but I did buy into just like, all right, this is how greatness is made. Like he did have a father yes. figure in his life 
pushing him beyond that. And then, and I think to Spike Lee's credit, he uncovers how like there is a little darker side to that, which is like, like you said, like sipping the 40 on the side and kind of like chucking to the ground. But it's just like, I, I don't know. It's just like we did that system did create this athlete, which sure. is like the, the number one like touted prospect in the nation. So it's like, do you think that coaching is too far? Like, uh, is that is that coaching probably, you know, when you get to be a coach and I think you are coaching a little bit, it's that's a little much. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's, but it's also Mrs. Uh, the also say, never put up with that. <laughs> yeah, sure. I do want to say this too, like is there kind of a Here's what I want to ask about like a uh, parent coaching their kid, especially if you have knowledge in the sport. Do you do it differently? Is there a different kind of breaking line on how far you push it if you realize you might have uh, a kid that has like some God-given ability as opposed to just yeah. like, I want you to be the best in high school. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. 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 No, I know. It's it's a struggle. It's a total struggle. And it's one that I I think I will feel pulled in, in certain directions because – you know, I, I obviously have a, an understanding for athletics and I get it and it makes sense to me. And I know what we, you know, we all know what it takes to get there, but then it becomes like, do we have the will and the de- de- determination to do so? There's a movie, the guys who did Bigger, Stronger, Faster, I think it's Chris Bell. Uh, I don't know if you saw that documentary. They did another one. It's not as highly touted. It's, I think you'd find it on Netflix. It's called Trophy Kids Ooh. and it dives specifically into that. Um, I think Pete Berg was also involved in it as well too, but it dives deep into that. And it's like, there's like a, uh, a tenant, like two tennis kids, a basketball kid, uh, a young girl who plays golf. And it's like, the dads are fucking nuts in it. Like they are absolutely insane. And it is one of those things. It's like, are they trying to fit that round peg in a square hole? I'm just going to make my kid this the greatest basketball player. And then they flame out like a Todd Marinovich. I mean, Todd Marinovich is a, the, the, the cautionary tale to all of this. Marv Marinovich, like wouldn't let him do anything. He never, he ate all organic food. He didn't even have like ketchup until he was in high school. And then just like a, like a preacher's kid going off to college loses his mind and goes into drugs, drugs and alcohol. Like that's the other side. Then there's the, you know, the Tiger Woods and the Serena Williams of it, where it's like, oh, well, sometimes you'll get the chocolate and the peanut butter and you get a Reese's peanut butter cup. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's a lot to dive into in one podcast, just about like, because I think it was a book that came out also. I think it was, it was stressing. I, there are two books that came out. Like one was stressing. It's just like focus is what it's all about. Like you just have to have the kid focus on one sport and like get it. And that's where it is. And no parent is going to be able to accept the fact. It's just like, oh, maybe like, you know, my kid's just average at this. Maybe we'll move it on. Yeah. And it does seem yeah. like you have to push them to a breaking point where they almost like hate the fucking sport. But also right. in the same vein to create like a world level athlete, like the, the best in this. And I'm sure there's a lot more stories like on the Olympic tip. But, like, to be the best in it, like, you have to be, like, this is the level we're playing on. Like, we got to keep going. Yeah, exactly right. And you really have to manage your desires versus the kids. Exactly. And that's what becomes hard because it's also you're, you know, you're older and wiser. You're the parent. So it's just, it's so hard to balance that I want to push you to a level that no one else is doing. But also I can't make this about me. And also I can't make you hate the sport or hate me. 
Right. Right. Well, that's the thing that that this movie does really well is it shows that, like what you said, like I'm the elder person in this and I'm supposed to be here for you, but then my interests conflict with your best interest, right? Like we see it with aunt Sally and uncle Bubba. Yeah. See it in a little bit with, I mean, in a weird sort of way, Jake was the most altruistic in his ventures. You know what I mean? Like he was, he was the most, like, I just want you to, to learn your best, like, to make the best decision for you. And if it decides to be this, this will help me out, but I'm not really pressuring you. And, like, I, I mean, I don't think he, I, not, Lala was totally in it. Like, she just wants money out of the deal. Uh, and, like, even his coach, like, wants just, like, hey, if you give me insider information, I'll, you know, this 10 grand's for you, and I'll make, obviously, he's going to make money on the deal, too, somewhere. Is the, okay, oh, so much to unpack. Um I want to hit on that, so we'll do it and figure out the fucking structure of this. All right, so inside information for the coach, like, and everybody wanting is the inside information that valuable? Well, I think so. I mean, so you get one, you get one 10k check from like you know some ESPN writer, and then that's that. Like everyone's acting like this is gold, but it's just like, so you're finding out something like two days early, like that that would be unconfirmed from an anonymous source. Like who gives a shit? Right, right, or or he's got you know a, a team that is or a school that is trying to pressure him to find out is are they that one or where they're at, and then they can come up with another offer. It's I mean, and it's and it's one of those things too where, you know, you know he's he's also, you know, helped Jesus out and got him an apartment and got him all this other stuff. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. We, makes, we don't we don't even see all that, right? Yeah, it was a tough plot point. So those are all on my. Um, I want to get back to this governor. So remind me of this because I do want to talk about La La. Like, because I do think it encompasses. That's what I really do like about this movie. I think it puts you in Jesus's shoes to see what it's like for everyone to come out of the fucking woodwork and for every yeah. conversation you have for there to be like an ulterior motive. It's just like, oh, why are these people talking to me? I don't think the characters are super developed. I think it's a little on the nose with the uncle. I think like Lala, fuck, we'll get into it now. I have spot points as well. I think Lala, um, why would she be fucking around with this DeAndre guy when, and I guess it kind of comes up on their last Coney Island date, but it's just like when you, your meal ticket like seems to be in love with you, like why not just hang on to that and let it ride? Like why run the chance of someone seeing you in public? But they're fucking around in the pool when they introduce him to the agent. That's what I thought. That's the crazy thing. Yeah, the agent, the best actor in this fucking movie. He's is he an agent in real life? I don't know. I gotta look it up. Like he is. I don't know. I don't know who he is. Dom Dom Pagnotti. Yeah, I looked up and he was just like, "Here's what I do to you. Like I want your black. What color is money? This money's green. Like here's what I want. This is Rolex. Like diamond. It's just like it's." fantastic right yeah he's great uh all right so the governor so here's my problem with the the premise right now uh type of spot pills so the governor is just like all right i want i love uh big state you i want jesus shuttleworth to go to big state you uh i'm gonna like reach out to his dad let him out of prison to do this they know what he's in for like denzel washington is in for murdering his wife in what world do they think he still has a positive relationship with Jesus Shuttlesworth. And they do it one week before signing day. So it's like, oh, you've, you've got to uncover, you've got to get over all of that stuff. Yeah. And you got to convince them in seven days. Yeah, it's like, do your homework. Like, they're probably not super close. 
Right, right, right. Yeah. There's got to be better evidence. Your better shot is with Bubba and Sally than it is with Jake Shuttlesworth. No, exactly. Yeah. Give, like, just get a suitcase with $50,000 on it that doesn't have your name on it. And then just, like, from Big State, you on the outside of the suitcase. And maybe he just signs. Right. Yeah, 100%. Okay. Who had the better career, Ray Allen or Jesus Shuttlesworth? Ooh. uh, Oh, that's a good question. Uh, don't act all surprised. Think... I ask you questions. No, no, no. I know you do. I oh, <laughs> B, don't no, 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 don't no. get that way. No, you stumped me on that. I I uh, I think I'm gonna go with Jesus. Just the way that the hype that they yeah. build him up to. Well, because because you remember well, better, like what was Ray Allen's hype coming out of high school? He played college ball. There wasn't right? there wasn't much. Yeah, he did. He played at UConn and won a national. I believe he won a national championship at UConn. Um. And had a really good career. Came out was a high level lottery draft pick, drafted fifth by the Milwaukee Bucks. I don't know. People can drink on that one. I'm tired of looking shit up. Oh man, you're yeah. Going man, this quarantine's got you worn down, bro. Really <laughs> uh, yeah. So it has to be Shuttlesworth because I mean uh, Shuttlesworth is, yeah. and we'll get to the, where are they now, but it definitely seemed like a, a no questions like this guy's gonna pan out. And unlike I think. Uh, this is an interesting question, not to make your brain hurt again. More likely the way, for there to be a bust you, in the NBA or the NFL? What's that? Say that again? Uh, more likely to be a bust in the NBA or NFL? I feel like NBA players most of the time, I know there's like Greg Odens and there's like, uh, was Samson? Anthony Bennett. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but it seems like, I don't know, NBA for, players for the most part pan out. I remember like thinking Kevin Durant was like, way too skinny and the thing was like he can't bench press all that much and then like right like i don't see it in college and he's just like fucking amazing so do you feel like for the most time like high totted nba or nba prospects at that level pan out i would say yeah more more so than high level like for every heisman winner right there's the heisman curse that comes with it gino toretto was drafted in the seventh round even matt liner uh reggie bush weren't the world beaters when they were drafted in the first round. Yeah, yeah. It is much easier to be a bust in the NFL than it is um, in the NBA. There's very few uh, undrafted NBA players that go on to, you know, have hall of fame careers uh, like uh, say like, um, Oh shoot. Terrell Davis wasn't undrafted. He was drafted in the sixth round. That's my point. Was good. Yeah, you're right. This has got me worn down. Also, to a quick follow up, I did I did look it up while we were talking. Ray Allen, uh, fifth overall, drafted by uh, Minnesota, but was uh, drafted a trade to Milwaukee. So that's I, I still got a little bit in there. You still got it, bro. Got a little yeah, yeah. You can still. I know. I'm still reeling. What when we had a break earlier? I looked up <laughs> Alvin Ro- Robertson, all time leader in steals. I was like, oh no, that's not right. It's not right. It's John Stockton. Sorry, everyone. Oh, I'll man. be better. Wow, this is bizarre. I don't, don't apologize. They're fine. They're having a good time. All right, let's pick this movie real fast. Um, so the Dakota scenes, uh, which is the hooker with the heart of gold, is like an yes. overused trope. Just get all these fucking scenes out of the movie. There's one, and I, I, I timed it. Like their first, uh, when he hears her getting beat up and he goes over there, it starts at 51 minutes. It ends at 58. It's a seven-minute scene. Which seven minutes oh, doesn't feel? It feels tough. like it's fucking forty-five minutes. Yeah, it is long. Those are the scenes that you want. And again, that's where like Denzel's like, "Am I the only one here that's gonna do any of this work?" You know what I mean? Yeah, it's exactly. like, and it doesn't. It just feels like 
he's she like it feels like they wrote words and he's like i gotta feel find a way to spin this and make it realistic i don't understand the relationship i get it he sees her right off the bat but why does he say to her like i like you so quickly in it and she's like well you just want to fuck and i know that it's not in this scene it's another scene but why why does he like her there's no reason to like her he find he found her physically attractive so he does want to fuck yeah he's, he's he's not into her emotionally yeah, it, it has nothing movie, and we're already so you know it's different if this movie's clipping at an hour and forty minutes, but it's two oh eight, like it's it's just too long, and I know you and I feel some scenes drag, and that's the thing when you have scenes like this in a movie that aren't absolutely necessary to move the plot forward, or they feel like they drag, then you feel like the rest of the fucking movie drags, like it just kind of yeah. paints it with this broad brush of just like. Let's get out of the scene. Like when they hop into that convertible with the guy and he goes in typical and I and I like I love Spike Lee's style. I love when he does this in like 25th hour, like all his movies. I think my premise is he tried to take the same approach, which is doing his, you know, just kind of his commentary on society and like black society specifically. And like what makes that work in other movies is the characters are you can relate to those characters. What makes it not work in this movie is you can't relate to being like the number one NBA prospect coming out of high school. And that's why it right. just kind of like falters, just like they go through that list of like temptations he has and like the booze and like Spike Lee's kind of saying his thing about just like, you know, trying to like uh, all these things that are available that are just trying to keep you out of spotlight and put like derail you to fuck you up. And it's just like, it just doesn't it just adds and link to the movie. And that comes right after our like Dakota scene. And it's just like, yeah. So there's just like 15 minutes where I'm just like, fucking let's, let's go. Let's get back to the storyline that we love so much. Yeah, it, it is. And it's one of those things where I do like the big Willie scene. I mean, I know it, it drags. It's long. I think it's coming out of the Dakota scenes. You're like, Oh, uh, this is really just sucking the life out of me. But I do, there are a few things that I like in it. I like that he like just runs through and it's like, it's almost like, you know, like, basketball pitfalls for dummies it's like oh by the way just so you know like don't think that this is so great for this guy who's got the world by the you know the cojones if you will he's got all of these things and i thought it was like when they spelled on like all your friends coming out there and then i love you and i love like when they were saying like i need i need dolce and gabbana and i need i need channel i need all these things i thought that was hysterical in there but it was like all the things that the thing that i like he's like the bigger you are the more they will hate you. Yeah. And it's like, that, yeah. that was the one thing that, I, right. yeah. that I was like, ooh, that, that hit me. But you got to wade through all of the Spike Lee stuff, right? And just the letting the camera roll and just thinking everything's great to get that nugget out there. You could have had that scene and you could have had him rattle off without the inner cuts of all the other things going on with that and have uh, the guy who plays Big Willie, who's a good actor. I enjoy him. Yeah, I like him a lot. I don't know, Roger something or other. Uh, he like he could have nailed that scene and just the lead been like ooh like he just dropped like knowledge on Jesus and like sent him unpacking and it could have been like a two minute scene or a one minute scene and you're out the door yeah because I like that in twenty fifth hour like I like it uh like Ed Norton kind of looking in the mirror and he's just like like talking shit on just like all the different version of New Yorkers like this is akin to that scene I know he does it like yeah. uh, you know do the right thing like all that shit it shows up but. Spike Lee just didn't make choices. Like I just, I hated the timing of it because I think I love that scene. If there's no Dakota storyline and this movie is a little shorter, then like I love it because like we're like yeah. right there. But it's just like it's it's like back to back shit where it's just like we got to get this like fucking story moving along. We got to do it. Yeah. Stat. yeah. 
Um, right. Okay, so let's talk about the ending real fast on plot points before we get out of it. Uh, I got a little... There's no way that basketball makes it from the court to the jail. Or the jail from the court. I know. So I do... Uh, I know, I want to get into that. <laughs> I know it's a metaphor, but... Well, it can't be a metaphor if you don't do it literally. Like, if you don't, like, <laughs> keep it a metaphor. It's supposed to be a metaphor, and yeah. then we literally see the ball drop, and then, like, Ray Allen grabs Jesus Shuttleworth, grabs a basketball, and he's just kind of like... There's a little, like, thanks, Dad. Like, and I'm just like, ah, yeah. oh, like, ah, uh, I don't... And it's like trying to build up... Here's my problem. So they're walking down the pier, and uh, Jake Shuttleworth, Jesus' dad, played by Denzel Washington, just becomes super honest, and he's just like, hey, here's the thing. Like, my sentence could be reduced if you just sign this letter of intent. And he seems like he's kind of won Jesus over. Yeah. And then the next time they meet, like, that animosity, which I think we kind of got away from, I'd rather, if if I was Jake, I would let, her, let the chips fall where they may. But now he's just like, I know you hate me. Let's play one-on-one for this. Let's go right now. And it's just like, dude, you're you're switching tactics right here. You're, you seem, yeah. You seemed on the right path. And I think the best thing you can do is be out of sight, out of mind, and just kind of have that. Because I do believe, like, why Ray Allen eventually, Jesus Shuttleworth eventually signs with Big State, because, uh, and great writing by Spike Lee, he has proven himself as just kind of this guy that does, he loves his mom, he loves his family, and he, he understands how he got the talents he has. And right. it's this little thing he can do for his dad. Because he was also in the room. He was in the room when, or at least close, when that mistake happens. And he's old enough to be like, you know, my dad didn't murder my fucking mom. Like, it was like a right, fucking right. accident that happened. Right. Yeah, I think he softens on that. It, it, first it starts, it's like, until you see what happened, you know, it is a little ominous. But yeah, it, it, you realize it's it's more accident than it is intentional. Yeah, so I, I, I did like the ending. I like... I, I thought it rang true. It was a little weird that he switched tactics and now we're playing this one-on-one game. It has to end with a one-on-one game. We know that. Yeah, you're right. Because I was thinking about it. I was like, oh, well, what if they switched those scenes? But then it but then it makes it seem like he did. Yeah, it's one of those things. That, you're right. It's He does. He does oh, wait. Switching the scenes might not be a bad thing. Switch, you think? Oh, that might be an actual script solve. I think flip the scenes. That's what they're playing for. Jesus doesn't know why he wants that. And then he hits him with truth on the pier. And he was just like, that's what's missing. Cause you need kind of their last meeting before he walks off. But also like the one-on-one game is kind of what we're waiting for the entire movie. So you kind right. of have to end with that. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. So you're, you're kind of in a rock and a hard place because the pier scene is a good scene. And it is the one where you, like you said, it softens Jesus the most to Jake and then smash cut to now we're on the court. Yeah. And I got a decision here, and you got this is my last minute. Um, also, too, I also want to say like, there's some times in there where it doesn't make Jake seem like the greatest guy. Obviously, like bullying his kid and murdering his wife, but it's like yeah, he also gets out. Yeah. Two thumbs out. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but he gets out, and he goes immediately and sees his daughter. Great, good move. Then doesn't visit his wife's tombstone until the very end. But make sure he gets a pair of Jordans first and fucks a prostitute in the meantime before he visits his wife's grave. His wife's grave. Yeah, that's fair. There's there's a little character inconsistencies. Well, I the thing I didn't like about the character is just like, all right, so these two parole officers are supposed to be following him around, and then at yeah. one point he's like drinking alcohol out of paper bag and like punching men in throats, and he's just kind of like walking and like asking <laughs> asking like the 
uh, the littler bugs, guy that yeah. is just like, uh, do you have any yeah, money? Bugs. Like he just totally goes off the fucking rails, which is yeah, just yeah. like, I, I, we, we, we can get into that too. It's just like how, you know, how much leash does he have with these parole officers? Are they giving him money to get a prostitute and he can just drink all the time? I, I imagine the world would be like, keep it on the fucking straight and narrow. Like you're in right. for murder. We're letting you out. Like you kind of, obviously there's no booze drinking. There's no banging whores. Like just yeah, just keep it. Keep your focus on the task at hand. Right or buying Jordans. They gave you money yeah. in the beginning. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like they gave. Why are you the buying Jordans? Buy Jordans. Fucking, yeah, right. Exactly. And then they get they. There is a scene where he asked them for money to go take a lady out, and they did it. And then, uh, yeah. um, and that's where I think some of the timeline is different because I think they said like six years in that one. So I, that might maybe I'm misremembering that, but oh, um, but. But um, so, anywho, yeah, actually, so my all year, over, yeah, that's a good point. My eight year math, because I know in the beginning they say he still has fifteen on his sentence. My, yeah, they definitely say that. I remember that. My eight years, I try. I was trying to do the math of how old uh, Jesus was when his mom dies at the time, and I put him at ten. Right, but he might be twelve, which might affect the. Right, that could be it. Yeah, that might be it. But still, either way, yeah, it's still a large sentence regardless of that yeah. right if you got 15 years left you're doing 24 pushing your wife down and her banging her head against the kitchen counter yeah so who hasn't done that i mean or what done it once in a thousand times gonna have to edit that out all right um <laughs> favorite quotes um excuse the discomfort but we can't rely on your abilities as an actor this comes up in the beginning when the when the warden says it to denzel washington i just think it's those, oh, yeah. those tongue-in-cheek things are funny to me because it's like denzel washington like top five actors of all time and it's just like yeah. to hear someone say to denzel washington like we can't trust your acting ability it's just it's kind of funny i enjoyed it yeah yeah that's right i it totally glanced past me but you're right it's i, I was I, I was still stuck in like why such extreme measures you could just move him out instead of transferring him <laughs> to yeah. and then no, no one whenever why do you have to point like borderline poison him um i love when bugs is when they're doing the intros and he's like when i'm on the court i feel handsome <laughs> yeah i know that's great. great i love i think MVP actor. I'd have to say for the the best actor in it, not counting the agent, but the agent's on it for such a small time that I'll give it five hundred yeah. bucks. Um, I love the basketball's poetry in motion. You put a J in his eye, and then you say what? The way Ray Allen delivers that is like he's reading the telephone book. Because it's not like, and then you say what? He's just like, and you put a J in the eye, and then you say what? Like he's giving you a tutorial on how. <laughs> How to actually cross someone up and then face them. Oh. Just the way he's like, and then you say what? Like an afterthought. Hilarious. Say what? Uh, I did like the scene where he does get the Jordans and then they pulls it up. The guy pulls up. Who's all, by, by the way, who pulls up your thing? And then he's like, uh, yeah. he's like, yeah, I got I got that arthritis. He's like, my brother's got that yeah. same condition since <laughs> it's on his left ankle. That's all my list. That was the next one. Um, yeah. yeah. And then it's just, just a throwaway is just. I, I think this speaks also to what you're saying, like Denzel Washington is acting up a storm and this just trying to get everyone else to come on board. But when they go to play the basketball game and then he's like, you're going to take your, uh, Jake says, Jesus is like, you can take your gold off. And he takes it off and he's just like, you can take a low jack, low jack off. And Denzel, just a throwaway line. He's like, that doesn't come off, son. Yeah. <laughs> <just> like, no <laughs> shit. <laughs> we all know it doesn't yeah. come off. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, it, yeah. He is fucking drilling this role. He nails this role. It's the best. He's 
hands down. I mean, I know it's pretty obvious when you're talking about Denzel Washington in the movie. Yeah. But he makes he make he takes it from like a dumpster fire. This would be a horrifically bad movie without Denzel Washington in it. Yeah, I mean that's a good point. And, and I would give it a C plus. Oh, sorry, I didn't want to spoil the the acapella air horns. No, absolutely. I deviate from that. Yeah, I, I want to pull it up too. But if you look, I, I don't want to sleep on the fact that. This is a stretch for him too, because it's like you know, this is 1999. Like he's just he's crushing it, and I think to cross over to, you know, to cross over to like kind of dark side. I, I'm sure he saw it yeah. as challenge, but it's just like I, it's a little bit of risk. I, as much as like being in a spot, Spike Lee, uh, Spike Lee joint can be a risk. I mean, it's right. You, you want to fucking do that? Um, all right, bro. I will give a hats off before I forget to. I love the Public Enemy. He got game song. Who's got game? He got game. Like the remix of we like have game? something I have game. in here. Yeah. <laughs> so you're not, I'm, I'm, by your reaction, I'm getting you're not on the same level. No, it's all right. It's okay. Uh, it's not my, it's kind of, when you listen to it now, you're like, it's a little cornier. But yeah. uh, Chuck D, Chuck D, Public Enemy is always good. It is, I do like the the sample of, uh, was it Stephen Stills song? Something happened in here. What Ooh. it is ain't exactly clear. Oh, I'm singing on the pod. I haven't done that in a beat. <laughs> All right, uh, where are they now? I got um, uh, Lala in Coney Island, couple of kids, divorced. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, She missed the boat. Uh, fucking DeAndre's had one of those kids. Uh, Dom Pagnotti is... Uh, still slanging it, being a high-profile agent. Maybe... Do they ever connect Jesus and Dom, the agent? No, because I think I think um, Jesus is going to kind of marry that all in the same experience of when she was watching DeAndre just like feel yeah, up his true. girlfriend and they were banging on the side. So I think he's probably pretty sour on he's anyone, probably yeah. in anyone in that yeah. orbit. Good, good point. Good point. Good point. Um, so, uh you know, the rest of them went off to play some, you know, Boogs didn't play college ball, but like Sip played college ball, maybe international after that. Um, Mary went on to go to wherever big state is, and she's she's uh, she's a teacher. She's a teacher now. Oh, go that's good. Mary. Yeah. Go, um, yeah, Jesus Shuttlesworth, uh, everything panned out. He was one and done. Could you do one and done in 99, 2000? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, he was one and done. Uh, and you could, they, he could have left after high school if he wanted to, because Garnett left straight out of high school in '95. Well, that's the funny question: is like, does because obviously the relationship between Jesus and um, Jake is strong now. Does Jesus renege on his commitment to Big State after he feels like his dad's not going to get out early, and then just go straight to the NBA, get the paycheck, and then you know? 15 years later which means i mean right. he'd have to have like a kobe like run i mean 15 years yeah. is pretty long in the nba but uh i'm not really worried about jake because i think the relationship stays strong when he gets out of prison like uh jesus has so much money he can set him up yeah and i i think uh i think i think jake Shuttlesworth takes up uh, a career post prison life as like a motivational speaker and talking about the perils of uh you know, overcoaching kids and, and uh, <laughs> coaching kids too tough. My kid, I know he's the number one player in the NBA right now, but yeah, 
came at the cost. Could you imagine going that? Like, life. no one would believe it. It's just like, okay, so don't do what you did and don't create, like, the number one NBA prospect of all time. I mean, if you can, don't kill your wife in the process. Yeah, I'm not exactly taking notes on this. All right, brother. Um, right, right. Air horns, let's do it. What, do we do out of five or four? I forget every fucking time. I think it's five. Five, okay. Right? Yeah, let's do five. Five's better. Three point five. Deuce, a deuce. Oh, was this your toughest hang yeah. of all the movies? No, I I really like it, but it's for the things that you hit on. It is two very long hours. Too long, yeah. And when you get away from when you get scenes with like Jesus and Mary, right on the bed, like arguing after she left, like it's tough. Lala, I, I, I love Rosario Dawson. Love Rosario. And I've said this I've said this many a times. Before I married Dr. Mrs. A Kamish, I would have made I would have married Rosario Dawson. I would have made her take my last name and keep her last name. <laughs> Dawson Dawson. Um, so I love her. I think she's great. But it is You're a dork. <laughs> it's, Yeah, thanks, man. Uh, but it was great that she was great in it. It was just tough for her to be in those scenes with, with, with Jesus. Like she didn't at that point in her career did not have the gravity to like carry that and bring it out. I think the bench scene where they break up was the best scene amongst them. But in between that, it was just kind of like, you know, she was just playing this like, yeah, they, you know, they, you're, you're exactly right. They wrote her and I want to bring that up. We'll move on. They just, they just kind of wrote her a little flat. Like it was just like, yeah, I, yeah. I just don't believe that she's just conniving. It's hard to believe that like they have this, chemistry unless like he's a complete idiot and like they went through you know a fucking abortion together like they have all this history right. and it's like she's and it's one thing to like here's a big thing that that i can't get over it's one thing to like cheat on somebody but when she calls it calls jesus like at 1 a.m on like that saturday night while she's like deandre's like has his hands all over her face and stuff it's just like all right that makes you like a fucking like sociopath level like right, that's right. just yeah yeah. if you got to do that call yeah if you want to do that it's just like i was a little too i can see here getting kind of like caught up between it but to like call somebody and be like i love you while like another man's touching your face is just like that's that's fucked up it's fucked up yeah. um our yeah, brother yeah. neapolitan showdown bring us to the jam so let's leave it alone because we can't see eye to eye there ain't no good guy there ain't no Three things you've done during the snow day. All right, we're doing that a little bit, bro, just because we are a little locked in. So we're thinking outside the box, and it made us reflect a little bit on just like, you know, back in the day. What's that feeling like when you saw the ticker? Like, because it was TV ticker, right? Like, you you get up in the morning. Television. I think your parents woke you up, and they were just like, there might be a snow day. Or like, you saw the snow outside, you're just like, holy shit, school might get canceled. They never did. Four star, (laughs) Mrs. Four star. You know, I'd wake up, you know, you knew like rumblings were coming, right? Like a couple of days before, like yeah, snowstorm snow is coming. coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it's like Christmas day, you pop up and you're like, oh shit, that looks like, I, I mean, I'm not, uh, I, I, that looks like two, three, maybe four inches already yeah. on the ground. And it's coming down thick, it's coming <laughs> down heavy still. So now I'm going to run to the TV. I'm turning on channel seven news 
and I'm just watching the ticker. Bill Bonds is on there. That was my news guy. I don't yeah. know. Do you remember your news guy in the your morning, hero. Brandana? I, I don't. I don't. I went to so many different oh. fucking schools, like too many names to memorize. Yeah. So Bill Bonds is on there, and the ticker is just going through, scrolling through. And yep. and the thing that I always think, I think they did it intentionally to keep people watching the the, the channel is it always on my in my thing it always felt like it was not in alphabetical order like it would just <laughs> randomly like cut in and intersperse and be like that's a w that's a b that's a that's i because i yeah. went to birmingham school so i was like oh fuck yeah you know well the timeline got weird also right because the bus routes would start so you just need to see like our buses going like you kind of be dressed for school like you have your sack lunch or whatever and just like oh right. like time's running down like i'm eventually have to get on this bus like are we I'll, and also the big thing was just like you would go to sleep the night before you see it slightly going down and then the first thing that popped in your mind when you woke up is like look outside the blinds and sometimes it'd be like an like an overestimated snowstorm you look outside you're just like none of that shit stuck like it doesn't even look yeah, like right. a snowman <laughs> right. nothing went on no Wait, more defeated sometimes you look outside and you're just like oh that's trenches ain't nothing happening today that you don't see any cars on the road. You're like, yes, good sign, good sign. You know, mom and dad have a different tone. They're kind of talking about something. And then the TV is on, and it's just like, oh, you're trying to figure out what you're going to do with me for the day. This is awesome. Yeah. I'm so stoked. But then you finally see it, you win it. It's so funny that you mentioned the other side. It's like, storm's coming, then you come up, and you're like, oh, there's green on the ground. <laughs> Fuck! Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's fine. This ain't happening. Like, you're crossing yeah. your finger, it's an ice thing. Like, maybe it's cold enough, like, I can't see all the fucking icy roads, and a bus can't go right. down it. What's the update right. now with uh with the kids? Like, do you just get pinged on, like, email early? It, it's not the same yes. process, right? Yeah, we get, we get phone calls, and they're always at, like, 6.55 in the morning. And we we even have like uh, fog advisory delays, which delay school, which I don't I don't understand how that works. Um, but like two hour delays or like a snow day, and they call us on it. It's like a mass email or like mass phone call, robocall, and uh, it's usually like right around like six fifty in the morning. I want to say. I want you to think what's different today, like when you would leave kids alone. Because I don't ever remember. Well, obviously, like we never had a babysitter come over. I'm trying to think like how young we were. Just like we're still going to work. Like don't kill each other. Like I want to say like seven and nine. Does that sound insane? Just like let the kids. Seven sounds. Seven sounds a little young. Yeah, (laughs) I don't remember being left that young. I remember being left alone in like fifth, and so like ten, eleven, twelve, somewhere in there. I don't know what we did. I'm, I'm assuming my mom just stayed home from work. I don't I don't know. Yeah. I really have no idea. Yeah, we'll jump into it right now. All right, so uh, my number three, we like to do it on a snow day. So I kind of kept it on the nose for this one. I don't know if we talked about it on the pod before. I think I told you. Um, just football in the snow. What we would do is so we basically lived uh, there. Uh, we had a little alleyway between two houses, and the snow would be piled up. And then we'd put plastic bags over our socks, put them in the shoes, and then the game would be you throw the football up on the roof, and then you you try to time it to when it came down, and then you jump up and grab it, and that's how we kept score. Like I have uh, for podcast listeners, I have like one younger brother that's two years younger than me, and then that's how we'd pass the time, and we do like yeah, an yeah. entire season of it. Like we just like pass out. It was perfect. Right, I like it. Yeah, my uh, my younger brother is six years younger than me. And uh, we did not play football in the snow. But what my number three was, getting there, a uh, little m- 
midday television, a little like 10 a.m. television, going prices right. Ooh, get yes. an extra bowl of cereal, getting the getting the sugary stuff because mom and dad aren't home watching me, <laughs> and uh, just loading up carbo load, sugar loading, watching prices right. It's the best activity. Being home from school when you're sick, the other thing, greatest, greatest experience. That was so true. Like you're also kind of alone, so it's like a little like college dorm room preview of just how you right. handle like taking in calories. All right, brother, I'm gonna do uh I'm gonna say it was about ten degrees. If school got canceled and playing in the snow, so that's ten points for me. And I'm gonna give you the uh the classic dollar bid from prices right when yes. you think everyone else fucked it up. So that's ten to one. One dollar. My number two, um, a little bit described. We would do a Royal Rumble, and I specifically remember this with the stuffed animals. So me and my brother would have like all our stuffed animals, our fucking Care Bears, our like what uh, wrestling buddies. We'd have all those on the bed. We do like a bracket to like get them all in. They would enter at different times, and then basically we would like just do wrestling moves that we had seen, and we would throw the stuffed animals out. And eventually, the Royal Rumble would always end with him and I trying to just throw each other off the fucking bed. Yeah. It's great. I love it. Um, I did wrestling with my brother, although it was me just beating the shit out of my brother because <laughs> I was six years older than him. Um, but I would definitely load up on, because again, this is where my mind went to. Mom and dad aren't here. So it is it is Legend of Zelda. It is Duck Hunt. It is Fire Up the Nintendo. Yeah, We were we're burning the light bulbs out of this TV right now because <laughs> I'm going to play some shit out of Nintendo. Um, all right. I'm going to say we had about 25 participants, non-human, in a Royal Rumble. I'm going to say you're lighting up that 8-bit game. So that brings us to scores 35 to 9. Ooh, you're running, you might be running away with it. All right. Okay. <sighs> My number one, this might be up on your level. It's playing a super technical season. It is yeah. 1,000% the number one thing you did. So my, like, it would be like we fire up the season, we both assign our teams, and then you'd play your game. If you're not playing the game, you'd be in the other room watching like the People's Court or like Ricky Lake or something. And right, then you'd right, come right. in and play, and the new exchange would be like, oh, you're up this week. Sometimes it'd be like your game was later in the week and then early in like, like late in week six, early week seven, so you'd have to play two in a row, just knock them out. And then hopefully yeah. – Hopefully you meet in the playoffs or the Super Bowl. I think we also try oh. to go AFC, NFC, so we would meet in the Super Bowl. Oh, I like that. I like that. See, this is where oh, I'm so jealous of this. I'm so jealous of that moment because I didn't have like six years younger. There's I'm just yeah. stomping them out, and then <laughs> yeah. my I can't get I can't get my buddies to get over there because we're all stuck in the snow. We have no means of transportation, uh, and I did not grow up on a block where there was many other kids. So. My number one thing is is we would build like the snow fort. Like oh, with the yeah. iglo, like dig it out, get the shovel, really build that. And like then the best thing was is and it's cold as shit out. You got the fort and then you crawl into that cavern and you're like, Oh, it's kind of like a little paradise in here. Like it's not as cold as it is outside. I, I see what the Eskimos or the Inuits are doing out here. Like this is real deal. Like that was my thing to do. I love doing, I love building these like intricate forts and like trying to carve out a hole. And then you have a little like, you know, cave in, the snow comes in, you got to dig yourself out. It's great. It's fun, fun time. That's good. I'm going to say Michigan is a little colder. I did give myself 10 degrees. I think you're rocking at a little two degree, which isn't going to help your score, but we'll keep Ooh. it alive. 
That's going to be a 67 to an 11 favorite Brandana. I don't feel like I won yeah. one to be. Remember when we used to keep track of who won what? Not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. This has been MAB Sports Podcast, episode 110. Thanks for hanging out with our extended hour of power. Hope you had the time. Hope you enjoyed it. MVP of the week. Uh, I am going into, obviously, like, such a serious time. We're not trying to get uh, too serious on this pod. We still want to hats off the medical staff and everything going off, and we're not taking that lightly at all. I will say i like to give my MVP to social media. I think it would be as much as I'd like to shit on it. Like, it is – I think it would be, like, scary if people aren't able to, like, kind of check in with everybody. And there's something nice about being connected. That makes this yeah. that kind of like drives all this down a little bit and just like the Instagram videos and just being able to share shit and just feeling like it's a collective thing, which wouldn't be the case like thirty years ago when we were kids. So it's uh yeah that's off of that. Yeah, great. Yeah, and you get, you know, some lighter content and yeah, other things like that that's floating around, that's great. So uh, and mine is I'm gonna go with uh, again, nodding to your your top sentiment on on all the medical providers that are out there. But also, um, kind of on what we were talking about earlier in the podcast, uh, John Krasinski has got a little web series called Some Good Good News, right? Right. Yeah, that's right. Uh, And I think it's kind of in part and parcel with what you're saying about, you know, you just need some some good news, some some entertaining, some lighthearted stuff. And I watched, I think he's done two episodes. I I watched the last one, 15 minutes or so of it, and... uh, I'm not gonna lie, I got a little dusty, a little but it's dusty. happy dust, Brandana. <laughs> it's good dust. Happy dust. Good dust. And uh, it was good. And he's, you know, he did a great job. And he, uh, in very John Krasinski esque fashion, was, uh, you know, great, great guy. And uh, it's, you know, it's good to watch just a little bit of nice news every once in a while. That's great, really. Well, guys, uh, hit us up in our inbox. It may be sportspodcast at gmail.com. We'll definitely have time to get it to it episode 111 next week appreciate the time i am brandana why don't you sign yourself off most awesome fuck corona Runway. Style. Fame. She likes fashion. Uh.